Good morning, Grinders. Welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender Ed, Blender HD. If you want to follow me on Twitter, and it's Thursday, Thursday, June thirtieth. We're almost, we're almost to July. We're getting to the dog days of summer. We'll be getting to the the MLB All Star break in about what two and a half weeks or so. And uh, and yeah, so it's, we're still talking about baseball. Right, I've been running my little little experiments, uh, you know, for the past almost almost two weeks now. We're we'll talking a little bit about that, but the uh, first thing you have got to do is get that thumbs up button. Give me those thummy thumbs. You know how I like the thumbs ups and downs. It doesn't matter. Get down ones. Is there still a down one? I'm not even sure anymore. But hit that button. It helps us out. Hit the subscribe button if you're new here. Hit the notification bell to know when we go live. Good morning, Suki. Suki Singh here early as usual. Good morning, Doug Montgomery, Joe Mack, Chris Ahrens. Good morning in the chat. If you want to talk about anything, uh, because, I mean, this slate coming up, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six. Uh, it's a seven-game slate today. Not much, not that much baseball. They're including the 6 o'clock games, even though there are 10 o'clock games on the slate, so you may not even get the late lineups. So uh, so I, I'm, I, I'm recording the MMA Ground and Pound podcast all, past lock, so I'm not going to be playing baseball today. Uh, but if, if you want the MMA stuff, uh, I'll be doing MMA tomorrow. Uh, that's the, the free content uh, on the on the DFS pregame show. Uh, but if you want the uh, the Ground and Pound podcast, the expert survey, the projections, the ownership, everything, you got to subscribe to Roto Grinders Premium. All right, subscribe to the combo package. It gets you everything: MLB, NFL, PGA, everything other than NASCAR. Uh, Stevie Stevie runs his own NASCAR package, but every a la carte on to you, whatever. It's it's, it's one one fee, you get access to our Discord, and I have my own Discord channel. I have my own channel inside of our Roto Grinders Discord for premium members only, and then you could you could hit me up there anytime you want. And I run uh, coaching calls on Zoom, private ones, uh, about three or four times a month. And uh, the next one is tomorrow at eight p.m. Eastern. So if you sign up today, you could be part. You could be part of that. You just show up on Zoom. I have a little form you fill out. If you have anything that you personally want to discuss, and then I just get on with you, and you can show me anything you want. Share your screen, show me your process, anything you want to talk about. It's not even recorded. Feel free to share whatever you'd like to share. We always have little groups in there, and uh, and, and get get a lot of things done. That's much easier than just uh, through, a, through a YouTube chat. So sign up to Roto Grinders Premium. Get the combo premium package. You get access to everything pretty much. You get the lineup. I mean, lineup HQ in and of itself is worth is worth uh, uh, the the cost of admission because it, these are the tools that I use. Okay, I eat my own dog food. I'm not like oh, I like lineup HQ and then I use my own optimizer or like oh, I, the 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 projections. It's like no, I use the bat projections for for baseball. I lo- I may look at a lot of other projections, but my primary projection source is the bat. Uh, but Matt Mears is here early in the morning. Good morning. Uh, I want to clarify some things about uh, that I'm as I'm dubbing the experiment, right? Since I just call it as far as exploiting three mans, five mans, triple ups, quintuple ups, those types of contests. Because I've gotten some uh, DMs, gotten some messages, and there's some people that just don't understand. They're trying to do what I'm doing, but they're not doing what I'm doing. Right, they're just they're fundamentally and conceptually not understanding. People are looking at the answer key, thinking that I can apply this answer to something else, but no, it only applies to certain questions. Okay, 
So I just wanted to go over that a little bit. The experiment is based on the fact that a lot of people in the lobby in MLB on both DraftKings and FanDuel play a lineup that is suited for 50-50s and double-ups and head-to-heads, which is essentially a top mean projected lineup, which is if I went to the, if I went to like the bat, if you like the bat projections and you went to the bat and you say, okay, what is the highest possible projected median lineup? Well, I could just solve that right here with the, the sidebar. And it would be Gilbert, Nola, Contreras, Votto, India, Mustakas, Abrams, Hap, Yellick, Fam. Right. As of right now, I mean, as of 1046 in the morning uh, with, with the no starting lines or anything like that. So there, since this is the top median projected lineup that on uh, their mean outcome is a, is the 50th percentile. Now, when you're playing against one other person or you're playing against 10 other, uh, uh, six other people or whatever, nine other people and the top five get paid the same amount. That's a 50, 50 double ups. When you're getting paid the same amount by hitting a certain line, wherever that line is, that's the type of lineup that you want to build. A 50th percentile lineup. Is your 50th percentile lineup better than another player's supposedly 50th percentile lineup? If someone plays a lineup, this lineup projects for 116.8. Someone plays a lineup that's 112. You're going to beat that lineup like 54% of the time. Or some, I mean, I'm, I'm giving you an example. I don't know the exact number. But something like that. If you play a lineup that's just slightly 116.8 and you play a lineup that's 116.4, this lineup will beat that lineup 50.2% of the time. Very, very slightly different. So if you're playing someone in a head-to-head, why would you ever want to play a lineup that's lower projected than your opponent's lineup, right? Assuming you agree with the projections, obviously. In those cases, because you're only getting paid double or, you know, 1.8% because you have to include the rake. So your win rate has to be, you know, 50, 50, 54.8% or whatever. So in those environments, in those contests, your goal is to play the highest mean projected lineup. That lineup that has the highest win probability against one other opponent or a field of other opponents, and you want to have the highest projected lineup, median-wise. You don't need the highest ceiling lineup. You don't need the... You don't need to stack. You don't need to correlate. You don't need to care about leverage or anything. Those are all GPP concepts. Those are for concepts. Those concepts are for payouts that are progressive, meaning that you come in one spot, you get X amount of money, and then you come in the next spot, you get more money, and then more money, and then more money, and then more money, okay? Do you want to play a 50th percentile lineup in those types of contests? No. 50th percentile lineups aren't are, are typically not profitable in those contests because... They hit the 50th, 55th percentile a lot of times, but those aren't the pay spots. Or if they are the pay spots, they're like min cash pay spots, but most of the money is towards the top. So in a large field GPP, playing cash lineups is not not, not profitable. Playing lineups that are geared for head-to-heads and double-ups are not long-term profitable. You'll cash a lot of times for 1.5x, but you'll see by the end of the season, you keep on doing that and like, wow, I've just bled a lot of money away, right? And I didn't have that many, I, I rarely ever remember ever coming towards the top anytime, right? Because you're playing too high of a mean projected lineup that's owned by so many more people, the players in and of themselves, because they're going to be the highest owned players probably also. 
So that's the environment that you would not play a double up or 50-50, right? You would not play a worse lineup on purpose. So if you're playing a three, if you're playing a, a if you're playing a double up, you want to play what what you believe to be the highest median projected lineup. Hopefully with the lower with the lowest variance, lowest standard deviation possible. Now the difference between if even in your own projections in the back, if I just build ten lineups, what's the ten top lineups? This one is one sixteen point eight. This one is one sixteen point seven seven. The only difference here is what? You got Wisdom and McCutcheon instead of Mustakis and Hap. It's a 2v2. The difference in the projection is 0.03. So these line, if, if you were to play this lineup against that lineup, this lineup will win, assuming the projections are accurate, 50 points, really 50.01% of the time, right? Just slight, slightly more, slightly more in a head-to-head environment, playing against just one lineup, the lineup below it. So if you do play this second lineup in a head-to-head, it's not like if someone plays a worse lineup than this against you, you're a favorite. So it's just a matter of it, the, the marginal advantages of like the top 10 lineups. Once you smack variance over everything, it's not that dramatic. So the difference between, oh, I'm going to play a bunch of head-to-heads tonight. And it's like, do you want to play the first lineup? Do you want to play the second lineup? Do you want to play the third lineup? Feel free to pick any of the any of the top 20 lineups even. Right? They're probably all somewhat close enough. For, they're within, within a point, within a half a point of each other. They're marginal differences. Assuming you're playing people that play lineups that are way worse than this anyway. Right, if you play the top lineup or you play the third lineup, if someone's playing a lineup that's four points lower projected than both of them, you're fine with either one in a head-to-head environment, in a double-up environment, in a 50-50 environment. Your goal is to just make it. You have to beat half the field, essentially. So you want a 50th percentile outcomes. Now, what ends up happening though is for uh, for, for convenience and for uh, time purposes. A lot of people in the lobby take the lineup that they play in double ups, 50-50s, head-to-heads, and they also play it, that same lineup in triple ups, quintuple ups, three mans and five mans. But those are different types of contests. Yes, they triple ups. You know, you're in a 31-man triple up. It pays nine, but it, all, it pays nine 3x, not like a double up that plays 2x. A double up would be like about 14 people that paid 2x to. So now that it's 9 out of 31, you're not looking for a 50th percentile outcome. You're looking for a 30th percentile outcome, a 70th percentile outcome, a top 30th percentile outcome. But a lot of your opponents are building lineups for the 50th. And being that you know that your opponents are building a lot of lineups for the 50th, you could practically predict what their lineups will look like. Maybe not exactly, but very close to it. So if you could predict what your opponents will play, because you know, you see what they're playing in head-to-head. You see what they're playing in double-ups. You see what they're playing in 50-50s. You go, well, if they're going to just jam those lineups into triple-ups and quintuple-ups, how do I exploit that? Because those are suboptimal lineups for those formats. They're not grossly suboptimal, 
because it all depends on the, the opponents that you're playing. So if everyone else in the contest is playing similar types of lineups, then then the median projection may matter more. But there may not be many people that are playing lineups that specifically exploit those lineups. And that's what I'm trying to do. So people, I, I one person uh, uh, asked me, it's like, oh, I, I tried this out uh, yesterday in, in, in head-to-heads, and I swept all of them. I'm like, why are you doing this in head-to-heads? Like, you shouldn't be doing this, and don't play lineups that are five points lower projected on purpose in head-to-heads. Right. Oh, I, I I ran the top lineup and then I tried to play none of the players in the top lineup and send it, and it was five points low projected and they happened to do well yesterday. Like that, you're going to lose long term doing that one. It's for those formats, three mans, five mans, triple ups, quintuple ups, right? Very small, you know, 10 man contest, top three pay type of contest, 20 maybe, top three, top five pay. Where, and the second part is the, is the most important part. The second part, where your opponents are more likely to be playing, quote, cash lineups. They're more likely to be playing GPP-style lineups. Then then this, this is not an exploit. This is, you're, you're playing lineups that are just like theirs. So you have to build good lineups for those. But you're specifically in a 31-man triple-up. You know, I've been, I've been saving a lot of this data and if that's one of the reasons why I'm also playing these lineups in double ups and head to heads, even though they're technically less like minus EV, very slightly, just to see to compare. Okay, on this slate, I played a whole bunch of these head to heads. I played a whole bunch of these double ups. It's a very small percentage of how much I'm playing. And then I could see, I could look at my triple ups. I could look at my quintuple ups. I could look in those contests and go, what lineups are the same? So I go, okay, I know this opponent plays this across the board. I know this opponent plays this across the board. I know this opponent. And then compare those to projection sources around the industry and then be able to back back engineer what their lineup is more likely or not to be on a given day. Well, if they're looking more at these projections, then they're more likely to have these sets of players versus those sets of players. There are some people, there are some people that play lineups in head-to-heads and different lineups in five bands, right? But they may play their head-to-head lineup in a triple-up. And they may play their five-band lineup in a quintuple-up. So some people do kind of split and split their lineups a little. But I wouldn't know without looking with, without looking at the data, without looking across the board and seeing. So doing this is like, oh, I'm just going to take head-to-heads and then try to play different players. Like, that's that's not what the, that's not, that's, that's not optimal. You have to be in contests that pay progressively higher than double ups and 50-50s and have opponents that are more likely to play 50-50 and double up style lines. That, then the third one, maybe even the most important, play those lineups that you can project what they are. If you don't know what they are, then how could you possibly exploit them? You don't know what those lineups are going to look like. So you don't know how to avoid avoid the duplication. So you need those three conditions. So it's not just like, okay, I'm going to look at what you do. I'm going to click on the buttons that you just clicked on, and I'm just going to start entering a contest, and now I'm supposed to win long-term. You may win on a given slate. But those are the conditions. Because you have to think conceptually. If two people are in a three-man, and they're both playing a cash lineup, that's supposed to be for the 50th percentile, even though it pays at the 66th percentile, right? One out of three. 
And they're playing a lineup that, let's say, is exactly the same. Well, they just destroyed their EV. They can't win $27 in a 10-man three-man. Let's say, uh, a $10 three-man. Let's say they both have the same lineup, but it's a 2v2. They have two different players. It's like, well, their lineups move Their lineups move up and down the pay, the pay payoffs curve very similarly to each other, right? But if you're playing a lineup that is dramatically different from theirs, yours moves, if, you're, if you could beat one of their lineups, you probably beat both of their lineups. But instead of getting paid double like a head-to-head, you're going to be paying 3x. So even though your lineup is a dog to both of their lineups, individually it is actually a it actually ends up becoming the most likely lineup to win when judged as far as three people right you may actually have a 44% chance of winning first even though their their two lineups are 1v1 off of each other and individually you only beat you you only beat you only beat them 45% of the time or something like that but you're getting paid 3x. In a head-to-head, you can't survive on a 45% win rate, right? You're going to lose. But in a three-man, if you're over 38%, you you win. You profit. But if you're in a three-man where you can't predict the two other players' lineups and they're not playing overlapping lineups too much, then the, this exploit really doesn't matter. So those are the conditions. You can't just go around and just like, okay, I'm just going to play against uh, people I don't know. I've never heard of. I don't know what they're going to play. And I'm not going to play. I'm going to play double ups. I'm not going to play. No. This is taking advantage of the intercorrelation of players in the field's lineups, which is very similar to what you do in large in GPPs in general. This is a very micro version of this. So how do, how do you do that functionally? Well, let's just say, I'm going to reload this. Let's just say. I always have to say, let's just say, because people people don't listen. That's one of the top things that people do not do in this space, is listen. They go directly to the answer key, and they're like, if you can't understand why the answer is the answer, then you're not going to be good at DFS. There's no such thing as the correct answer in DFS. So let's just say, here's the back projections. If I knew my opponent was playing the top, if I knew in a three-man, I have two opponents, and I knew, and I knew for sure. Let's let's make it a very easy example, okay? Let, let's, let's, let's make it the easiest example. I was going to do a little bit more difficult example. I knew that my two opponents would play the top two optimals in the back. Let's just say. Okay, those two lineups that we showed before, right? That was a 2v2 between Wisdom and McCutcheon and uh, Hap and Mustafas, right? And you can see it represented over here, right? So they both share all these players. Gilbert Nolik and Shreras Vado, Indiots, Abrams, Yelich, and Fam. Let's just say you love the bat projections. You think the bat projections are the, you know, are the greatest, the most accurate. That's what you like using. That's what you believe. Okay, but you knew that the top that the two players in your three man for sure was going to play one was going to play this lineup and one was going to play that lineup right which is a 2v2 off each other 116.8 116.77 median projection 
Now, if you were playing each of these guys in a head-to-head, like you, you wouldn't, you just wouldn't play them, right? If you're using the bat projection, it's like, well, I want to use the top projected lineup. Well, if you're playing at someone that's also using the top projected lineup, you're just gonna you're gonna tie. You'll get your rate back. You're not gonna be you. You want if you're gonna play this lineup in head deads and you played in double ups, right? Go go play the large double ups. Play the three hundred man double ups, and yeah, this is what this is the lineup that you'd play. And you'll probably see it dupe multiple times because people use the bat projections for, for MLB. But they'll also they'll your opponents. Some of your opponents will put this lineup into double ups and then also into three mans, five mans, triple ups. They'll also put this lineup in, and maybe there's some people that use the second one, so they put this lineup in. So now you'd see a three man with two out of three opponents, and you know, let's just say, you know, one opponent has this lineup and the other opponent has that lineup. Okay. You don't want to duplicate with either of them, right? In a three-man, only one person wins. You don't want to split first. The, you know, duplication and progressive payout structures, we talk about it with Showdown, we talk about it with MMA or PGA. Duplication dramatically hurts you. You don't want to duplicate a full lineup with someone else. You also don't really want to duplicate combinations with other lineups. You You don't want to be on the payout curve with so many people moving with you. You'd rather be moving in more independently of one another. So if I knew, I'm going to reset this on the side. This is the lineup optimizer that just looks for the, you know, knapsack problem for the top, you know, top optimal. If I knew that my opponents would both have these lineups. Now, only one has McCutcheon, only one has Wisdom, only one has Happen, only one has Moustakis. But two of them have all of these players. So let's say I don't play Tommy Pham. So I'm not going to play a player that is in both of my opponent's lineups. And I'm still using the back projections. What is that? What does the top projected lineup look like that does not have Pham in it? Okay. 116.5, which ain't, which ain't that much lower than either of these two lineups. Right. But it has wisdom. It has India has, who do we share now? So I was able to take out FAM and not drop that much projection, right? I barely dropped anything. So if my two opponents are going to have FAM and I can play a lineup that is nearly as high as projected as theirs without FAM, that benefits me in a three-man against these two exact opponents. Okay, but then I look at the next thing. Who else? Who else are my two opponents sharing? That maybe I don't want. I don't want to play. I don't want to. I want to share with as little players as possible. Let's go to Jonathan India, or let's go to Yelich. Okay, Yelich isn't even in this lineup, so we don't even have to worry about Yelich. Let's go to India. India is in both of my opponents' lineups, and it's currently in my lineup. 116.5 with India. 116.11 without India. Okay, we're only dropping 0.4 in projection. Okay, I don't mind that. That's not that much. I'm not that far behind. All right, I take a look at my lineup. Got Bodie, Wisdom, Franco, Grissom, Hap, Yell. Okay, now Yelich is back. So let's see if we take out Yelich. 116.11, 115.76. So we're giving up maybe 0.4 points again. Not bad. Remember, I get paid 3x when I beat both of these lineups. So I don't mind giving up projection. Do I want to give up 15 points in projection? No. 
But there are enough line. I mean, there's it's a seven game slate. There's enough players on the slate that I could build a lineup that is, you know, within three points projection, four points projection, that doesn't share as many players. So now I take a look at this and I go, okay, who was left that we share multiple players? Contreras. How about C.J. Abrams? Okay, we don't even need him yet. Votto. Votto Contreras. Let's take Votto out. 115.76 turns into 115.39. 0.35 or so, 0.3. Giving up projection by not having the overlap with Votto. Now take a look at the lineup now. Gilbert, Nola, Contreras, Tellis, Bodie, Wisdom, Franco, McCutcheon, Arazarina, and Hap. Now McCutcheon, Hap, or is only one opponent lineup. So I don't necessarily mind that. But let's see if we can get rid of Contreras which is in both of my opponent's lineups. That goes from 115.39 to 114.03. So we're giving up a, a point and a half by not having Contreras. So maybe you decide, is 1.4 points too much on this slate? Maybe it is. Maybe you think it is. You could go, you could use this. But let's say you go, no, nah, I, I don't want to give up a point and a half to just get rid of one player that's in both of my opponent's lineups. So you put him back. You're like, okay, maybe we do share those. And then we still have the pitchers, Nola and Gilbert. A lot of times, if you don't play the, the, the top projected pitchers, your, your projection goes down significantly. So let's take out Nola. 1.15.39 turns into 1.08. Oh, so yeah. So you get, you're, you're giving up like seven points in projection by not playing him. So yeah, you're probably going to not, it's not going to be worth it to give up that much projection. 115.39, if we get rid of Gilbert, Turns into 111. Yeah, so you give him four points with Gilbert. So you probably keep the pitchers in. Then you take a look at this lineup and you go, okay, Contreras. All three of us are going to have Contreras. Tellus, I'm going to be the only one with Tellus. I'm going to be the only one with Bodie. I'm going to be the only one with Franco. I'm going to be the only one with Arena. But my opponent will still have, one opponent will have McCutcheon, Wisdom, Hap. I don't have Mustakas. Let's see if we can get rid of those. Let's see how much rejection we we get we we lose even more than that. Let's like especially in the outfield. There's more choices in the outfield. So let's say we get rid of McCutcheon. Or let's get rid of Hap first. 115.39 turns into 114.62. You give up a decent amount of you give up 0.7 in projection or so. So let's put Hap in and let's let's try with uh with uh, McCutcheon instead. 115.39 turns into 115.20. Okay, I don't mind that, right? Very little. Still got half in there. It's shared by only one opponent, so not both. So I don't I don't mind. It, that's not bad. It's not wisdom. Wisdom I'm sharing with one opponent. So let's take out wisdom and see how much projection we sacrifice. 115.20, 114.72. You can you can do that. You get a lot of Tampa Bay here. Or maybe you choose not to. So let's see. Does the wisdom lineup have half in it? Actually, it doesn't. So wisdom is with McCutcheon and half is with Mustakis. So at least I'm not sharing a combo, an exact two-man combo there. So I don't mind being over. I don't I don't mind this. <coughs> so this is more, more or less likely if this was the real case. Of the lineup, I'd probably play 
in the three mans, in the triple ups. If I assuming I could predict that my opponent's lineups will look something like the like these. And that everyone's using the bat. So if my opponents are sharing, they're sharing, look, between them, they are sharing eight players, right? Because it's a 2v2. And there's 10 players that you choose from, right? They're sharing eight players. How many players am I sharing with either two of them? Either two of them. One, two, three, four, five. And one, I'm sharing with both of them, okay? So Wilson Contreras is not even going to matter on this slate. Gilbert and Nola won't even matter on this. These three these three players won't even matter. It's 100% ownership between the three of us. Wisdom, I'm sharing with one. Half, I'm sharing with the other. But no one has our Rosarina, Grissom, Bodie, Tellez, or Bichette. Right? If C.J. Abrams does well, both of these lineups move up. C.J. Adams does badly. Both of them move down. If India and Vado, if this, if the Reds do well, right? Because you got Fam, Vado, India. The lineups move up. If Cincinnati does bad, both both of my opponents' lineups move up and down on the standings, very similar to each other. Other than those two players between them that they don't they don't have. My lineup, like if Bobachet hits a home run, I just beat both of their lineups at the same time. If Grissom does something, if a Rosarina does something, it's like I i don't have as many players as they have overlapping with one another, and my projection is only a point and a half lower than them. Which, in a head-to-head, if I were to play this lineup against both of these players individually in a head-to-head, I'd be a losing player. I'm only getting paid double, or 1.8x, against a lineup that is superior to mine. Not that dramatically superior. They're a 51% favorite. I'm a 49% underdog to win. But in an environment where you're playing against two opponents that are playing the same two, same two lines. And ahead, if I played, if I played the first guy in a head-to-head and the second guy in the head-to-head over the course of whatever my million slates, I end up losing money. They end up winning money from me. But if we played a three-man with the same exact lineups, I'd be I'd be highly profitable. Because I'd I'd win, right? If I'm if I'm individually, if I'm a 49% underdog to both of these players individually, and their lineup moves pretty much as if I beat one of their lineups, I'd probably beat both of their lineups. That means in the three man, I'm I probably beat both of their beat both of their lineups 44-45% of the time. Right? Because if I beat one, I most likely beat the other one. And there are some times where one beats me because, you know, one guy had this guy. The 2v2 matters that dramatically. But I come in second or something, and one of the guys comes in the middle. But in a three-man, with the rake, in order to be profitable, you need to win, like, a little bit more than 36 37% of the time or so. So if, if I could beat both of these lineups at a 45% rate, and I know what my opponents are doing, I know that I'm going to be playing against two overlapping lineups. Then why wouldn't I play a three-man or a five-man against four opponents that have lineups that have similar overlap? That's the experiment. That's the concept. So when people are telling me they're going, they're going and doing, they're doing something like this and then playing all these guys in head-to-heads, like that's, that's incorrect. 
Conceptually, it's incorrect. You should have thought it, thought conceptually why you wouldn't do that, why you wouldn't be playing double-ups. And if you see my lineups in double-ups or anything like that, they are negative EV, slightly. I'm giving up slight negative EV to gain data. That's essentially what I'm doing it for, just throwing them in to some double-ups, larger double-ups, and taking some head-to-heads just so I can predict lineups better. So I'm looking to see did this guy play the same lineup in this and this and okay, yes. This and this and this, yes. This and this and this, yes. And then I could use a couple of days worth of that stuff to then go to projection sources and try to decide where are they, prim- how are they primarily getting to those lineups? Like, okay, sometimes you could tell, oh, this is the bad optimal. Oh, this is the plate IQ, you know, uh, but it's a 1v1 off of it. Oh, here's this, uh, you know, is an aggregate of five other sites. If you aggregate all five sites together and then press the optimal, that's the lineup they're playing. Like, I can back test to some extent like that. But I'll need to know what they're playing in double ups in order to exploit the, the, the players in all the other contests. So I need something to compare it to. So that's the only reason. And only because I don't mind giving up the small negative EV in order to get that information. And then after a while, I won't even play those contests anymore. That's the concept. I explained everything. I mean, here's exactly. And I showed you exactly, this is exactly what I would be doing. Predicting the lineups that my opponents are going to play and then not, not try, play, try to play overlapping lineups. Sharpshooter GX says, uh, do you think the strategy makes more sense with highly variant sports like MLB and NFL? Do you think this is going to potentially be valid with NBA? No, it's it's valid for anything. Why would the sport matter? This is the reason why you don't look at the answer key. You should learn mathematical concepts so you can apply them to anything. Why wouldn't it work in the NBA? If I could have, if I knew my two opponents had an NBA lineup with a two v two. And I can play a lineup that's one and a half points lower projected. That shares five, that doesn't share six different players amongst the, those two lineups. That still has a projection that is one and a half points lower. Why wouldn't I do that in three mans? Like, that would, to me, it would be even more profitable. A lot of times you're playing the same players because, you know, some guy's injured and some 4K guy projects for a million points. Those, those are the players you're going to have to share. Right, you're not going to be able to X those guys out. But a lot of times, you you know, it's it's you're filling in the small forward in a six K range, and there's like or in a four K range, and there's like Dorian Finney-Smith or some other like there's some like fourth like there's five of these guys that are within one point of each other. It's like, and if you knew your opponents and are going to play a specific one, why would you just I'll change that to someone else that's point six percent six points lower than that. A lot of slates is like two or three positions like that. People are playing this stud versus that stud. At the end of the day, you look and the differences between these projections. One projects 54, one projects for 53, one projects for 52. So you could do it in any, it's any sport. The concept has nothing to do with the projections or the sport. But remember, you have to be able to project the lineups. If you cannot do that, then you just erase your mind because you're going to just do yourself more harm. If you're going to go into if you're going to go into whatever lobby, you're going to play NFL in September or whatever. 
And you go, I'm just going to sign up for a ton of $1 three-mans and $2 five-mans. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to get the blitz projections from Cardi. And I'm going to see what the top lineup is. And I'm going to play a lineup that's completely different than that. Are you playing against people like that? Do you know that? This is what ends up happening is that you go into your $1 three-mans. And you find that you're playing against two horrible opponents. That you look at their lineups and you go, why the hell do they play these lineups? This lineup is like eight points lower projected than like the Blitz Optimal. And then you you purposely played a lineup that's lower. Right? You play, I mean, you still play a lineup that's probably higher than theirs. It's like, well, I was I was trying to play a lot like yeah, because you didn't know your opponents. If you're playing against if you're playing against really bad players, just play the play the best median lineup. Who cares that you can't project? They're playing such worse lineups that you can't even project what the overlap is going to be because you have no clue what the hell they're even going to do. You want to play the best possible lineup. The less the less projected lineup you play against two bad players, the more you're giving to them. They're going to purposely play a lineup that's 10 points lower projected than, than, than the optimal lineup in your projections. Just play the optimal lineup in your projections, right? This is this is this type of thing is to exploit people that are also using the same projections as you. And you know it, and you have to know it. That's why I had another person that would say, Yeah, I signed up for a whole bunch of three mans and blah, 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 blah. I X'd out all the players. I X'd out all the players in the optimal lineup, and I played a different lineup. He literally X'd out all 10 players in a baseball lineup. And said, whatever player, uh, whatever like it's like if they did this. For instance, I'll bring everyone back in. Let's bring everyone back in. What they did was they used like the bat projections. They built one lineup, right? Right, this this top lineup right here. And they just said, I'm not going to play any of these players. Right. I'm just going to X them all out. Right. And then play the best lineup from there. Right. Which for today would be Garcia, Severino, like all these other players. The optimal lineup based on the bat projections as of right now is 116.8. This lineup with none of these players in it is 101.72. 15 points lower. And this that's what this person did. And it managed to work out. Right? It managed that whatever that lineup is, I think it was on the slate where the Dodgers kind of the Dodgers failed. Right? The slate with Chad Cool pitched a Hit a complete game shot out, and all the do- and all the Dodgers failed pretty much. And of course, the the median optimal had like five Dodgers in it. But like in the long run, this is you, you, you're going to lose money. I think you're giving up way too much projection to do that. And I don't even know if that person was even sure of what he was playing against in three mans and five mans and triple ups or anything. But we reached out to say, yes, I X'd out everyone in the, uh, and didn't say X'd out everyone that was overlapped in multiple lineups. Like, nope, I just ran the top optimal and I X'd out all the players. It's like, did, did you not get what I'm talking about? Like, they didn't even look at the project. I said, what was the projection difference? I asked, well, how much lower projected was that lineup? And then, you know what their answer was? I don't know. This is someone that doesn't listen. They go and they go, oh, uh, he X'd out a bunch. And like, that's that's the magic bullet. That's, that's the magic. And it's not. 
And I try to be nice to people, but I mean, to me, I can't see how you can't understand this, personally. I don't say that as an exaggeration. I talk to I talk to a lot of people that I wonder how they tie their shoes in the morning. They have Velcro shoes, I guess. DJ Dog 3K, does lineup HQ have college football projections? I believe so. I believe Fear My Turtle does college football stuff. So yes, I, be, I, be, I believe so. I mean, they're not up. We have CFL projections. We have USFL projections. Yeah, so yeah, we have college football projections. Yeah, yeah we have a college football show. Like Dan does the show. Yeah, of course, yeah. What am I talking about? Of course we do. E-Man the Man, if you were playing the five-game main slate on FD today, how many of your 150 liners will be 4-4 four, four stacks? As many, would that would be plus EV. That would be the correct answer. How many? 74. Remember the rules. Remember the rules on the DFS pregame show. Or with me in general. If, if you could answer the question with a yes, a no, or an exact number, you just you you know for sure that you've asked the dumb question. It's in DFS. There are no answers that are yes, no, or an exact number. I don't want to say there's no, there's none, there's very few. Should you play all injured players in your lineup? No. But only because they project for zero. Like that's that's really the right answer. It has nothing to do. You can play. You can't see. There are situations even where you could play injured players. I forgot. Like okay, so the answer is not no. There are certain situations where you would play an injured player in your lineup. There are. To start even, there are ways to do it in late swap. Like in late swap, like uh, in in soccer, in any sport where you could get negative points, right? Even in football, like in football. If you were in a head-to-head and you were down to, and it was the late late games are coming up and you and your opponent are a 1v1, you, both both of your guys, and, you're, and it doesn't matter who you're even playing, right? Or let's say you have one player, right? you're going into the late football games, your opponent has all their, all their players are from the early games. So they have no one else to play. They, they have no one more to play. And you have one guy left to play. And let's say it's a it's an extremely good player. It's Tyreek Hill in the wide receiver spot. It's a running back. It's Christian McCaffrey. You're playing a head-to-head. And let's say you're up by two points. In a head-to-head with Christian McCaffrey yet to go in the late games. And your opponent, all their players are done. What should you do? Take Christian McCaffrey out. And plug in the, the the IL player that you could find, whatever, but it doesn't even matter. So obviously McCaffrey's the most expensive player anyway. Just find some injured player that you're guaranteed will not play. Because if you do that, you guarantee yourself a win. Christian McCaffrey yet can lose two points, right? Five yards lost, seven yards lost, lost fumble, and he gets injured. And minus two point three, does it happen? Oh no, it, it rarely ever happens that he'll end up with minus two points. But it can, but the fact that they have nothing left to go, like just put in, just get an automatic zero and you win. So there, you've put in an injured player in your lineup. That's the situation. There are showdown slates, NBA showdown. Not many combinations, 
But when there's a bunch of studs and they all do well, a lot of times the optimal lineup, the line, the winning GPP lineup is like jamming in four of the stud players and then playing like a 1K guy that is didn't even see the court. Right? To take taking a zero in one of your spots. And that actually is the highest scoring lineup possible. And that player could just be an injured guy from the, it could be whatever. The cheapest guy, just, you know, it's going to be a zero. So even for that question, do you play injured players in your lineup? There's not an automatic no. Now, 99.9% of the time, it's a no. It's not always a no. Just like it's not always a yes. Just like you can't answer an exact question. How many? Play plus EV lineups. Should you play this stack versus that stack? Five, three, five, two. Like, it depends on the lineup. Four, four on FanDuel. Okay, I could I could go on FanDuel. Uh, let me play the the four worst hitters on the four on the worst team with four of the other worst hitters on the second worst team. And I'm gonna play a relief pitcher on FanDuel. That's a four-four lineup. Would you play it? It projects for 100 points lower than other lineups. But it is a 4-4 lineup. It is. When you go like, no, well, I wouldn't play that 4-4 lineup. It's like, okay, so what 4-4 lineups wouldn't you play? There are certain 4-4 lineups that are fine and certain 4-4 lineups that aren't fine, right? There are certain certain lineups that are on, on uh, fan 4-3-1, 4-2-1-1, 3-3-2. It all depends on the lineup. Do you play the lowest total team with the car, the bottom of the order and leave 12,000 on the table on FanDuel? Probably not. Are there lineups that you don't mind leaving 6,000 on the table on FanDuel? Yeah. I could play lineups like that. But what exact lineup? But I don't, I don't know the exact lineups, but there are going to be cases like that. In order to stack the Pirates with the Tigers, 4-4, and play, even if you play the top pitcher, you're probably going to leave 4,000 on the table. So if you wanted to stack both of those two teams together, like 4-4, then that's the way that you leave 4,000 on the table. Or you take out one of those players and you put Mike Trout in that spot, the highest projected player, right? And now you have a 4-3-1. And you raise your projection by 10 points. Is the 10 points worth having the less, less correlated lineup? Probably. Possibly. So that Tigers-Pirates Stack lineup may be better as a 4-3-1. May. And the key word is may. How many point, how many proj- how much projection are you giving up to have that extra correlation? Is that correlation worth it? It depends. That's that's where the answer comes from. It depends. Well, I don't know. I don't know that exact scenario on that exact slate. Is Mike Trout seven thousand dollars on FanDuel or is he thirty eight hundred? It's gonna matter. What does he project for today? Maybe he's facing Carlos Rodon. So his projection is two or three points lower than it would normally be. I don't know. Depends on the slate. Could you play that 4-4 lineup? Yeah, but then leave 4,000 on the table. Yeah, you could. That may still be a plus EV lineup. Maybe a 4-3-1 with those teams are, are higher EV. Maybe. But if you let's say you take out one of the players and you put in a garbage 2K player from some other team. You go, well, now it's a 4-3-1. Yeah, but I'd rather have the 4-4 lineup if you're going to plug in garbage player in instead. 
You let me get up Otani or Aaron Judge. Maybe then I do. And then you say, well, Aaron Judge is going to be 38% owned. So I'm actually taking out a player and putting a way too high owned player in. Is that okay? If you think that the ownership is, if you're already low owned everywhere else, that may still be fine. Remember the three levers, projection, correlation, and leverage. As you push the correlation and levers up, the projection is going to come down. What is worth it? Give me an exact number. There are no exact numbers. You have to conceptualize this. You have to think non-linearly. I have this lineup that's a 4-4 Tigers Pirates that leaves 4,000 on the table. Do I put? Do I take out one of these out, this utility player, and I have the money to spend and play the most expensive trout at 87% owned? And you may go, is, is the projection worth having that much ownership in your lineup? Maybe not. So you go, okay, how about Aaron Judge, who's 20% owned, but a little bit less projected? Is that worth? The lack of how much is that correlation worth? How much projection should I be gaining for it? And how much leverage should I be giving up for doing so? Those three levers at the same time. And you have to judge that. That's what that's what DFS is. And without giving the specific slate and the specific contests that you're in with the specific lineup, there is no way of answering that question. I can't answer that broadly other than. Is this much projection worth this much leverage? Is this what this much correlation? You have to consider what probably not giving up 50 points in projection, right? I could I could exaggerate to that extent. Right? You're not gonna play the 98% owned player, right? There's not gonna be a 98% owned player. I can see that's too much live leverage to give up. Right? Is the correlation worth 10 points? No, it's not worth 10 points in projection. Those are the types of things, but you have to think in that way. I teach that all in the theory of daily fantasy sports. All the concepts like that are in here. They are explained to you easily. That's why I go through 15 hours. How to think like a professional DFS player. That's all the chapters. Introduction, game objectives, player selection, expected value, leverage, correlation, construction, risk management, exploits, psychology. Miscellaneous stuff, you can see them all here. How to think probability, statistics, expected value, what variance is, what ownership does, what correlation does. How to think in terms of a range of outcomes. And then risk management, how do you play multiple contests, multiple lineups, diversification, the correlation of contests to one another. All of that's in here. I mean, I explained most of the stuff on the pregame show. You go back, you can, you can watch 400 hours of this. I do repeat myself a lot. Once you can think in these terms, then you'd understand. You bunch, most of the people that get this course and play and then listen to it again and, and, and finally understand these game theory concepts, these very fairly basic mathematical concepts. They go back and go, oh my God, I'm, they, they, I've, I, there have been tons of people that have apologized to me. Apologize to me for ask, asking dumb questions. They go, wow, you're absolutely right. For like an entire year, I asked it like, I, I don't, I can't believe I was that stupid. Like just 
Yeah, now, and now I watch the show and I see other people ask those questions and go, I don't understand how you could, I'd like, how do you tie your shoes in the morning type of stuff? Do you play this guy or that guy? And it's like, wow, that is the dumbest question I've ever heard, right? And then the people that ask those questions don't understand why. Like, yeah, because you already have all that information. It's not about who to play. Okay, doke. So tomorrow is MMA. We're going over the MMA slate. I still have to put my sheet together and stuff. We'll be recording the MMA Ground and Pound podcast. You could get, you could, like I said, you could get that. Sign up for Roto Grinders Premium. Click on that link in the description. You get ten dollars off your first month. You also could join in on the eight PM Eastern Zoom call tomorrow if you're part of the Blenders Game Theory channel. So if you are, I'll see you then. And if uh, if you're not. Sign up and take part, right? You get, you get, you know, kind of concierge-based service, right? Other than, you know, having to be in a YouTube chat for me to yell at you in the morning. I could yell at you one-on-one, right? And I could clarify anything you want. And people could even say, I've done these Zoom calls for the past, I don't know, four or five months or something every month, three or four times a month. People say I'm much nicer on those. <laughs> I think I'm nice here. I just I just don't like dumb questions, right? You if you if you ask good questions, I answer. I talk about them, no problem. And if or if you're looking to learn, I don't mind explaining basic concepts over and over again. But that's why I also put it all in one simple package. Theoryofdfs.com. Go there, pick that up. Later today, live locks on the Scores and Odds channel with Grant. Got Grinders live at uh, it's a six o'clock slate, so. Four o'clock grinders live? Is it a four? It's it's something. It's like you'll see the thumbnail, you'll see the time on YouTube. We got grinders live later with Dean and the guys. Then it's Roth and Cheese and TJ, I believe. Crunch time, which is presented by FanDuel, and it's free all season long. So hit that notification bell. You know you'll know when this channel goes live. Hit the subscribe button if you're new here, and hit those dummy thumbs on your way out the door until I see you tomorrow answering your DFS strategy questions like I always do on the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com.